Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning, everyone. It's 11.04 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Sun is shining right now. Yesterday was kind of a turbulent weather day. As stuff started moving in, we were out in Westmoreland County, and man, they got hit hard. Then it kind of moved all the way this way. Never know how those pop-up showers work. Greg Finley's behind the glass taking your calls today, so when you call him, say hi, Greg, and then he'll put you on to me. It's 412-928-9370. That's the fan hotline number. And remember, you can also call the fan text line, which is sponsored by Edgar Snyder & Associates. 412-928-9370. Edgar Snyder & Associates reminds you to text responsibly. Follow this station on Twitter, 93.7 The Fan, driven by Shorky Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, with locations in North Huntington and the North Hills. And you can hit me up on Twitter at KD Pomp. Craig Riley did a very good job recapping all the Pirates. If you would like to continue to vent, this is, you can do it. I have no objections with that. Talk about where they are, where they're going. Do they know where they're going? Call here. You can tweet as well. also want to talk about the Steelers because this coming Friday night, actually next technically, on Friday it's August the 9th. It's the first of four preseason games that we're going to have the showcase for you on KDK TV. It is the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Once again, I'm honored to call those games along with Charlie Batch, Missy Matthews, Rich Walsh involved in the broadcast as well. We uh, will talk about all the storylines. And last night, of course, they had their under the lights in Latrobe High School Stadium. Always good for the fans. A lot of autographs uh, were signed last night. And then Mike Tomlin, as he normally does, ramps things up with some of the, especially backs on backers. You don't see as much hitting, obviously, as time has gone on in some of these uh, pra- uh, practice sessions, but those are always still very good, and it gets the competitive juices going. Um, Vince Williams was Vince Williams, which is to say that uh, he's very good at tackling people, and he showed that uh, in those drills. We also saw that it was uh, Benny Snell, the rookie running back, against Devin Bush, the rookie linebacker, and... Uh, both had their moments. That's a good way to get things going. But when game time happens, that's where we're going to make the biggest evaluation of what people have here because it's very difficult to assess day-by-day practice. You, you can make conclusions. Sometimes they're accurate. Sometimes they're not. But the bottom line is they have to put it up on tape in games, and they're going to have their first opportunities coming week. Very interesting, the backup quarterback situation. A lot of people ask about it. In my view, it's Mason Rudolph at this point who has the edge over Josh Dobbs. But there's another guy that is, you know, and, and we did a story on him early in training camp, and a lot of people didn't know his name. His name is Devlin Hodges, and he's from Samford University. But, boy, he set all kinds of records over there. And every time he had a chance to play against really good competition at the FBS level, he did it very well. Um games against Florida State, Auburn. You know, anytime those teams were on the Sanford schedule, it brought out the best in Devlin Hodges. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, over 14,000 career yards passing, 111 in touchdowns. Uh, the guy was a machine, and he was brought here. And so far, uh, he's opened eyes. The question is, there's no way he's going to make it on this roster. 
So practice squad with him, most likely a situation. But he continues to progress, and hopefully we'll get a chance to see him a little bit in Friday night. And if, if you've never seen him play, you should you should tune in for that. But I know everyone will tune in for Devin Bush. You want to see what this young kid can do, Benny Snell. There are a lot of interesting stories at tight end to back up Vance McDonald. Offensive line, um, look at the tackle position uh, left vacated by Marcus Gilbert, who was traded to Arizona. Uh, they have some good young players there, but are they good enough to give them enough depth moving into it? So a lot of ways the Steelers can go. I'm looking forward to seeing them in action again. It's Friday, August the 9th on KDK TV. Uh, and tonight at training camp at 11.35 p.m., we have another of our back-to-work training camp specials on KDKA. Join me, Charlie Batch, Rich, and Missy as we will break down the week uh, at St. Vincent College. And we'll be on the air again 11.35 tonight on KDKA TV. In the meantime, we'll talk Pirates, we'll talk Steelers. Uh, Antonio Brown out in Raiderland is nowhere to be found. Now, he has an injury, but so what? Uh, when your coach says, we are all disappointed because they can't locate where he is. He's supposed to be in camp. If you have an injury, you have an injury. You still stay in camp and you treat the injury. Um, if you remember here, it came out later that he had his own housing off campus when they were at Latrobe. And to me, when you start doing that kind of stuff, you're asking for trouble. And I don't know if he has the same arrangement there or not, but when the head coach doesn't know where you are and he has to make comments about it, that's the start of what could be who knows what kind of relationship? A turbulent one? And what happens if Derek Carr goes down with injury? Nate Peterman is the backup quarterback there. Can Nate Peterman handle Antonio Brown and his demands? For that matter, if he doesn't get what he wants, because Antonio's all about stats, he's all about money. Nothing else seems to matter with him. He's watching a lot of guys get more money than him. First, you know, Odell had more money. But then you see some of these other guys stepping up and getting more money. And that includes Michael Thomas. I find a very interesting analogy between Michael Thomas and Juju Smith-Schuster. I went back and looked at the numbers between, now Michael Thomas is entering his fourth season. His third last year was a very big one. So he was upcoming on the end of a rookie contract. They had to make a deal at some point. Uh, and he was playing hardball with them. But Juju Smith-Schuster's first two years in the league were better than Michael Thomas's first two years in the league, statistically. So let's say he has a, just a Herculean season this year, and I know he's going to get double covered. It may not be as easy as it sounds. But if he has a really good year this year, he's going to be sort of similar in that, uh, that level. And if the Steelers want to deal with him beyond his rookie contract, they're going to start doing that next offseason. And you wonder how much it's going to cost. Michael Thomas was $100 million. And now there's talk in Atlanta that Julio Jones might be getting – a new deal. Now, the only thing about him, he's, I, I got to check here. I think he's 29 or 30. If he's approaching that age, do you want to tie up a guy long-term at a really high rate? Now, he's very good, worth the money, certainly right now, but what will he be like in five years? So, and, and you know, he's in good shape, so people keep themselves in good shape, play longer these days. I get all of that. Still a little bit of a risky situation. Juju is still very young, and I think uh, they would love to wrap him up and if it comes after another big season here in year number three, then look out because it's going to cost some money and the Steelers are going to have to step up and deliver that. But that's going to be one of the interesting things to watch. Right now, the interesting thing to watch a wide receiver is who's the backup. And it looks like Dante Moncrief has put himself in that position. Deontay Johnson injured himself last night at the uh, lights thing. Uh, it was nothing major, but he was out. A few other injuries there as well. Uh, Deontay Johnson's been very good in the time I've been up to camp to watch him. 
Uh, it's hard to watch everything that goes on on those fields on individual things. But when they get on for the seven shots and all the other stuff that goes team by team, you can see uh, he, he's very quick and he can make things happen. Uh, after that, James Washington, he's had an okay camp. Want to see more in this preseason. We'll see how much activity gets. You know, defensively, one of the guys, you get calls all the time when we do our sports call show on Pittsburgh CW, sponsored by Ireland Contracting. You get the calls about, well, uh, what about defensively? If you're asking me one guy who's really, and I know that people expect him to take another step, but this is a large step, and that would be Ola Adani, the linebacker, who last year came out of nowhere to go from undrafted, the guy who wears number 92 and looks like number 92 with his first quick step. Um, you know, they're in a situation where he can make a big and they're going to need help on the outside because they're kind of thin there. After Watt and Dupree and Chicolo, that's pretty much it. And Ola has a role waiting for him, and he looks like he's more than willing to be there for it. So we'll continue to see stuff like that. Sutton Smith has been a good surprise, a sixth-round pick. I think you're going to like watching him play. He'll get plenty of playing time in this game. As far as kickers are concerned, well, that's going to be followed. But it's going to be hard to detect who has what lead and who will make the rod. I still going to – it's got to be Chris Boswell. He hasn't missed yet in camp, and he had a 52-yarder the other day. But his challenger, who was brought in, and this is the first time he's had a challenger, Matthew Wright's also been very good. So these guys are going to be waging this contest here in these preseason games. They have much more money involved in Chris Boswell, and they'd love to see him return to what he was in 2017, not 18. But how do you properly gauge what he is – in preseason games. You know, they've put him in some tough situations in practice where Mike Tomlin raises stakes about, hey, this, these guys might get off the field. If you make this field goal, practice is short. If not, we're going to continue. That's pressure. But it's not the same that you'll face in week one against New England when you have to kick a field goal of 40-some yards, let's say, to tie the game against New England to force overtime or to win the game against New England. So, there's a lot riding on this, and it will be interesting. Normally, we don't even talk about you know, kicking because he's been so good. Now, there's a challenger. Same is true with a punting situation. Uh, we're going to have uh, competition essentially going on. Jordan Berry's been fine, but he needs to be better. I'm sure he'll tell you that. So they brought in competition for him, too. 412-928-9370. Let's go to the lines. We have Jack, who's become a, uh, one of our favorite callers here from the state of Florida. Hello, Jack. How are you? It's, hi, it's, I'm good. I have a question, Bob. Who do you think is going to be a sleeper this year? Sleeper this year? Um, mm-hmm. Okay, I would say on defense it's Sutton Smith. He's a six-round pick, so he's not necessarily a sleeper, but because he's a six-round pick, people don't expect major contributions. I expect contributions from him. And on offense, I'm going to give you a kid who's from Youngstown State in Pine Richland, uh, Kevin Rader. He's a tight end. And he's looked pretty good so far. Those are my two at this point. That can change, Jack, but it's early. Um, that's all. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Always look forward to Jack. He's a big sports fan. You can tell his dad has him learning sports early and calling shows. I love it. 412-928-9370. want to thank our sponsors for the program, as I always do, week after week, because they make it possible for us to do this. Along with you, the callers and the tweeters, our sponsors are PNC Bank. You can always make today the day. Do it at PNC Bank for the achiever in you. Allegheny Health Network, health for all. And they mean that at AHN. 
Also, we are driven in style by number one Cochrane. Go one better at number one Cochrane. And they have a new Nissan dealership, a new Chevy dealership, all out there in Cranberry slash Opal on Perry Highway. Check them all out. We're going to check out more calls when we come back. It's 412-928-9370. Steelers, Pirates, anything else you want to talk about, we'll get into right here. It's the Bob Pompiani Show, Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. All right, welcome back. 412-928-9370 is the number to call. Hit me up on Twitter, at KDPomp. Greg Finley behind the glass, taking your calls. Call right now. Full board for you available if you'd like to chat. Uh, and then we'll talk right here on the microphone until 1 o'clock today. Later today, it's the NASCO uh, window preview show. That's coming up at 540 with uh, Craig Riley. Or is it Dan Zangrilli? Or... <laughs> Zach Zarenzik, or one of two of the three will be here. Interchangeable parts, those guys. They do a good job on the pregame show. Tonight it's the Pirates of Mets at PNC Park, and you'll hear that here as well. All right, some other interesting notes about uh, the Steelers and the new pass interference, because that's uh, we saw a Hall of Fame game the other night, and we saw Pandora's box is open. So you have pass interference is reviewable. It's challengeable for the first time ever. It's a one-year experimental kind of thing. So we'll find out what happens when this goes full throttle in the regular season. But in that game, there was a pass interference call, and it took place um, against the Denver Broncos. Uh, the defensive back, I thought, made a good defensive play. But, you know, they were running stride for stride. There was a little hand contact, which they're going to be on those kinds of plays. But the th- pass or the flag was thrown, and it was called defensive pass interference. So uh, Denver challenged that. Uh, They said it wasn't pass interference. As it was, they decided it was pass interference. The call stood, and then Denver lost a timeout. All right, so the question is, how many of these things are we going to see in the preseason? Uh, Coming up tonight, 1135, one of our guests is Gene Sterator, who works for CBS and a longtime referee. He's been in every situation possible. And he made a good point, and you're going to hear from him about what exactly is going to be the problem. In real time, you know, officials let normally bang, bang plays go. They're not going to flag everything. You just can't. It's got to be clear and obvious. And in the rule, those are the two words they use, clear and obvious. But what is clear and obvious in real time is not the same when you super slow-mo it frame by frame. When you do that, you're always going to see some sort of contact where an arm gets involved in something. It looks far worse than it actually did in real time to the naked eye. So if they're governing by super slow-mo, it's going to be impossible for defensive backs to make any sort of contact at all, and you can't play defensive back like that. For that matter, you can't officiate like that because you're going to look to be made bad on every replay. It's not a frame-by-frame situation here. And I just don't get it. I wish – we'll see. I mean, it could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing because every time there's a pass thrown, when it goes incomplete, somebody raises their arm in disgust. Whether it's the receiver, and that's true of 80% of the time, whether it's the, the, the defensive back who says, hey, he interfered with me. So that's going to be the number one thing I'll be watching as these playoff uh, or these preseason games begin. In the meantime, the other thing I want to come out, I'm going to throw it out. I want your take on this. The NFL conducted its top 100, you know, its 100-year anniversary, 
These are voted on by players, NFL peers of players. So, we found all of the 100. Steelers had five players make the list, okay? But none in the top 40. To me, I do not understand why Ben Roethlisberger, who's the highest-ranked Steeler on this list, came in at 44. Are you kidding me? You look at some of the quarterbacks who are ahead of him, and you wonder, what are they judging this on? Juju Smith-Schuster made the list for the first time. He's number 47. But 47 for a man who had 1,400 yards, 111 catches, he's 47. Antonio Brown was higher, dropped on the list, but he's still on the top 10. James Conner's on it. I think he was 62. A couple of defensive guys on it, Cam Hayward. Uh, T.J. Watt is a newcomer to it. None of their uh, offensive linemen were on it. And here's the thing. David DeCastro last year was in the top 50. Now he's not even in the top 100. What did he do other than Pro Bowls to his resume? I don't understand that. Uh, Aaron Donald was made number one overall, and I can't disagree with that. I mean, he's one of the most decorated people you're going to see. I feel good for him, a guy who went to Penn Hills and Pitt, and he just blossomed into this unbelievable destruction defensive lineman that no one can handle. And it doesn't matter what you do against him, he's going to beat you or them, two, two players at once. Uh, when it's all said and done, he's on pace to become the best, most destructive defensive lineman in NFL history. So that's good enough for me. So non- number 99 is number one and earned that. 412-928-9370, the Mad Hungarian joins us right now on the Bob Pompiani Show. He's calling from Oakmont, Pennsylvania. What's up, Mad? Yeah, hey, Bob, uh, pretty good. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, thanks. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, oh, how's the uh, how's the bird? How's the uh, woodpecker uh, while we're out here? <laughs> uh, he's not pecking as much as he used to. Let's just put it that way. Oh, so, oh, good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, yeah, you brought up Pandora's box. Uh, I have a sort of an open message for uh, Neil Huntington. Uh, did, did you know what the last thing uh, was left in Pandora's box when she emptied it? No. Hope. <laughs> 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 well, that's the last thing left. That's the last thing left, hope, and that's where we are as Pirate fans, just hope. Well, uh... <laughs> hope is a strategy. I don't care what... Uh, uh, well, you're, you may be right in this situation. They're <laughs> hoping for things that uh, may happen one out of 100 times, but generally speaking, hope is a good thing to operate under. I, I think you always should have hope for things, but in baseball, um, hope means... You're, you're going against the grain. You're going against the odds when you only have a payroll the way they have and when they draft the way they have. You're not – hope will only get you so far. But Neil Huntington, I think, and the entire Pirate organization, Matt Hungarian, need to take a good look in the mirror and just discover what they are and who they are and be honest with themselves. If you ever look in the mirror, you have to be honest with yourself. I do every day, and most of the time I'm very disappointed. i got to work on that, you know. But I, the, the fact is you have to – Understand where you are, believe it, re- be real with it, and operate accordingly. If you're, if you're not doing that, if you're just saying, well, we believe we can be, well, belief is belief too. That's probably in that Pandora's box too. Your belief is you could get better with the guys that you have. And unless all of them have career years at the same time, which is highly improbable, you know, you're not going to have what it takes to compete. Thanks, Bob. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah, okay. Let's go to Rob in the car who joins us on 412-928-9370. Hello, Rob. How are you? Good morning, Bob. Uh, You brought up an interesting point a few minutes ago about replay and how you see things in super slow-mo that you won't see in real time. What if replay was used simply to get the ability to look at the same play 
but in real time. So you had an unlimited number of chances to look at the same play, but you had to look at it in real time. But from all the different angles you'd be afforded. Um, kind of yeah, takes I, away you know that. what? I like that, Rob, but they're not doing that. They're going by with all the angles, including the super slow-mo. Oh, I understand. I'm just wondering if that would kind of solve some of the challenges they're certainly going to face. You know what's even more amazing, Rob, is that the NFL decided to let one call impact the entire system. I was really surprised well, that's by that. Many I, you know, times. I mean, th- yeah, that was an unbelievably horrible call, and in my view, it did cost New Orleans a trip to the Super Bowl. But, Absolutely. but because Sean Payton went after it and was not to be denied in his desire to get the rule changed, they changed the rule. I mean, I, there are a lot of calls that are bad throughout the course of the year. When they had the what is a catch, what is a no catch before they changed the rule, you could have done that every single and they eventually changed the rule again. So, you know, replay is not just affecting the game that day. It's affecting rules that affect the game as we move forward. And to me, that's, that's a dangerous uh, road to go down. But that's where we are. I agree. All right, Rob, thanks. I don't know. I, I think that's a good idea, though. I, I like that. Well, just don't – you're not allowed to use super slow-mo. You can look at the, the, the real-time play over and over and over from different angles, but you cannot use super slow-mo. Again, what's clear and obvious as it's happening is not clear and obvious on super slow-mo. It's clearer and obvious. It's more obvious. And you don't want to base it on, see, bang-bang plays or bang-bang plays. They should be looked at as bang-bang plays. I've never said bang-bang so often in my life, back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Fred in Franklin Park. What's up, Fred? How are you? Hey, Bob. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. So, you know, look, I'm not calling to talk about the rotation issues with the Pirates. That would take the rest of the afternoon. But I did want to talk about uh, Corey Dickerson. I think it's an indictment on the way the Pirates do things. You have a player who, you know, it was a good fit. He was, he's a hustler. He fouls a lot of pitches off. He's just a good fit in the outfield. They give him away for nothing, a bag of balls. Um, you look at next year, Melky Cabrera is a great piece. He's a great, you know, switch hitting bat off the bench, but he can't play in the field anymore. It's proven every night. And then you look at Polanco. He's not healthy. He's streaky at best. But it, it's the Pirates. They don't look at it like like getting Corey Dickerson back on track this year, trying to structure something with him, extend him two years or something. It sounded like Dickerson would have been open to that. But this this franchise is not interested in, in working that way and looking at players that way. They would just rather move on and say, well, we have a contract with Polanco for another three years. Whether he's good or not, he's got the position and right. I agree, Fred, and that's the thing. What can you believe out of Gregory Polanco? You know, before he had that sliding injury last year, uh, which was really brought on by his own lack of fundamentals about sliding, he was tearing it up, and he has the potential to do that. But part of his assessment of who he is, just like it is Jamison Tyone, is the fact that there are a lot of issues with him from a health concern. So I ask you, what would you rather have? Corey Dickerson in left, Brian Reynolds in right, and Starling Marte in center, or Reynolds, Marte, and Polanco? Because that's pretty much what it is, and you're right. Corey Dickerson was basically a, a sell-off. They just didn't want to deal with upcoming free agency. There's no other explanation. Uh, to me, his right. numbers this year, when he came back from injury, were very good. He won a gold glove last year. He hit over 300 last year. What more do you have to do in order to retain a spot once you get to a certain level in salary? Right, and he, he's a hustler. I like the way he plays. You know, People feed off of that. He'll foul off. He might fly out, but he might foul off 11 pitches and put some stress on a pitcher 
you know, in the third inning, put some tread on a starting pitcher. And I, what I would have liked to have seen is, okay, we're going to get Dickerson back on track and healthy these two months. He's going to come up, you know, we're going to restructure. We're going to extend them two years, maybe three. And then you start out with him and left, Marte in center, Reynolds in right. And then if Polanco gets healthy and he's proving, you know, great, that's a good problem to have. But how can you bank on the fact that Polanco is going to be your everyday player next? He's, he's never been that guy yet except for a small streak. No, and even if so, he is, even if he is your guy, why not have Corey Dickerson around anyway? You know, I, I would right. rather have, because here's two reasons. Number one, because he plays well when he gets in there, and he's proven that. Number two, are you banking that Brian Reynolds won't have a little bit of a setback, that he won't regress a little bit? I mean, we saw it with Josh Bell, and we're seeing yeah. it again a little bit with Josh Bell. You know, there are ups and downs, and... I would rather have more than less if, if it's strictly a matter of money, and the Dickerson case was strictly a matter of money. Right, and it's because they are unwilling to sit down with him and say, you know what, we might have to pay this guy $35 million over two years or 40 because they're just unwilling to do that. They're unwilling to ever make a good baseball move because they're afraid of money at all turns. Thank you, Fred. Appreciate it. we got to go to a break. Kevin in Greenville. Hang on, Kevin. You're going to be coming up. Three lines open for you. 412-928-9370. Greg Finley will take your call. We'll put you on the air. We're talking sports with you as we do every Saturday, 11 to 1. It's the Bob Pompiani Show, Sports Radio, 93.7 The Fan. And we are rolling until 1 o'clock right here. It's 11.45 in the morning. Hope you're having a wonderful day out there in Pittsburgh, PA. This would have been a regatta weekend, but it's no longer the regatta. Now a criminal uh, complaint is being looked at into the Three Rivers regatta. That should be interesting as it develops. Our show is brought to you by the good people of PNC Bank. Make today the day at PNC. Allegheny Health Network, health for all. And on the frontier at Advanced Specialty Care, AHN is your place to go. And we're driven by number one Cochrane. Go one better at number one Cochrane. Also brought to you by Ireland Contracting. Visit IrelandContracting.com. They are the title sponsor of the Ireland Contracting Nightly Sports Call on Pittsburgh CW. All right, back to the lines we go. Kevin in Greenville is next. What's up, Kevin? How are you? Morning, Bob. Morning. What's up? Hey, uh, really, really appreciate you. You seem to be the one that really uh, speaks it. You know what I mean? That everything you say is what you feel. And correct me, see if I'm in the minority or the majority on this. And if you covered it in the first half hour of the show, I'm apologizing. I didn't miss that. But with the Pirates, what what happened at trade deadline this year was to me really brutal because up until then we always felt like they didn't want to spend the money to get the players in here that they needed to get in here. Now they don't want to trade anything away to build a better team. What they did was they made a trade that actually set it up so they could save a lot of money in the future, their money. I think it's kind of showing not only do they not want to win, they're just content to make their money and hope that people show up at the ballpark. Well, that's probably true. I mean, they want to make money, uh, Kevin. As far as you know, what they're doing, as I said at the beginning of the program, I think they don't know what they are right now. They're kind of this uh, 
the ship in the ocean that doesn't have any direction on where they're headed. And you need to make a decision on what you are. You have to be truthful with yourself. This is why over the years I've, I would not have been disappointed if they came out and went full-fledged rebuild and said it was such. A lot of teams have done right. that. They're not afraid. You, you know, you, you've got to know what you are. If you're constantly thinking you're still competitive, and Neil Huntington the other day on his show pretty much said, we're not eliminated yet. Well, realistically you are. Realistically your thoughts are not going to change. You know, this is a group that believes in analytics. Analytics will tell you they have a 2% chance of making the playoffs. That's real. Um, my, my, my concern is, Bob, that they what, – what I'm kind of seeing here, and it's a big concern, is I don't think they really care if they're competitive. I think they're just more content with sitting back. They're making good money with this team. Win or lose. You know what I mean? There's no as question. As- and there's nothing to – Corey Dickerson was just a complete sell-off. I don't know any other way to look at it. So they will tell you they have a lot of arbitration cases to settle. But that's true of every team. You have to deal with right. it. And, yes, you have to understand your payroll is going to go up by virtue of that alone. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't add on to what you have. And to your point about not trading to add on, well, you know, I think they were afraid, to be honest. They'll never admit that. But my take would be after Chris Archer failed – and they gave away as much as they did, they were reluctant to do anything like that again. Felipe Vasquez is a premium guy to have. You know, you saw the Astros go out and make a complete we-are-in-this-to-win-it-again mode statement. Dodgers, yeah, they're going to – they want to win. They have a great team, but they didn't take that necessary step for them. If you've looked at why they've been eliminated in the postseason the last two years in the World Series, it's because they had bullpen issues. Vasquez could have helped them. They were not willing to give up some of their premium prospects, which I was surprised because they need to win now. They're going to be judged on what they do now. Uh, If they don't win a World Series, to me, it'll be a a disappointment and maybe even a failure in L.A., the way they look at things. It's totally different here. I think the Pirates are content with who they are. They're content with having a team that could be competitive. We're not sure it could be, but they believe it could be. It keeps your interest for a while. Now, do they want to be eliminated by July? No. Uh, they'd like to keep it all the way to September to pique your interest, but I don't think that's realistic based on how they have. And, and again, Kevin, I, I don't. I'm not one of these guys who looks at the farm. I read accounts, and they don't have all that much down there that can help you next year. So, right, what do There's you do then? To back up, you know, when we had the great year, what was it, 15? I don't keep track of the years, but when we had the great year, if you notice one thing, when somebody went down, we had somebody back behind him. Jay Hay was Jay Hay wasn't anybody that was really well known until somebody went down and Jay Hay was put into position. And what did he turn into? But they don't have the guys behind the guys. They barely, to be honest with you, they barely have the guys. Yep. Let alone the guys behind the guys, because you're going to have people get hurt during the course of the year. There's no way around that. And if you don't have somebody behind them, as, as the Steelers would say, next guy up. I don't think we have that, and this team's not going to go anywhere where they're at. I'm sorry. I wish I could say different. I've been mm-hmm. rooting for them for 25 years. I think, I, mean? I think anyone who follows them wants – you want them to do well, but they're not, and there's got to be a reason why. It's a consistent reason. Thanks, Kevin. I do appreciate the call. Um, so the other thing is if you're going – for a team that covets its money as much as it does and doesn't like to make mistakes because they can't just sweep them under the carpet and move to the next one – you know, when you give Jung Ho Gong $3 million, I just looked at that when it happened. I said, wait a minute, that's a leap of faith that I don't know that's justified. And it turned out that he just he's not the same. And there was reason to believe he wouldn't be the same. He took a pay cut, yes, but still it's $3 million. Lonnie Chisno hasn't even set foot in this. He hasn't been here all year. And there that's a couple of million dollars. Jordan Lowell's had a 15 ERA before he was traded in the month of July. Uh, when you spend $2 million on a pitcher, that normally is what you get. You, you're not going to get a premium. 
So you add that together with the uh, Dickerson savings, the Cervelli upcoming savings, you're over $22 million in money that they will not spend next year. So there's ample reason to go out and spend it on people who can help you. But the free agent class isn't all that deep, minus marquee names. John and Robinson joins us next on Line 3. Hello, John. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Bob. Man, I called to talk about the Steelers. I'm, ex- you know, I'm, I'm a diehard Steeler fan. I've uh, missed maybe five games since the Immaculate Reception. Uh, but uh, Wow, you should well, be one of those fans that is in the Ford Fan Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. See the guy from Beaver Falls yeah, who's right. there, man. He got treated like royalty this weekend. That's the luckiest guy on the planet right there, Bob. <laughs> But, hey, uh, boy, it's just sad listening to these Pirate fans call in. Look, it's simple. Nothing just cares about dollar bills. That's it. You're never going to win anything. Move on. You can, you know, I've, I've completely stopped watching baseball. Guess what? My life has improved. But, anyway, I, I called to talk about the Steelers. You know, the, the, these uh, the five players, not, uh, none in the top 40, it makes perfect sense. I mean. You're not going to put Roethlisberger in the top 40 over some of these quarterbacks, John, who are in there? How many playoff games has he won since 2010, Bob? How many championships does he have? Doesn't matter. Who led the league in passing last year? You know, I'm sorry. I I know he had a bad year when it comes to interceptions, but if you're going to tell me people like, um, uh, what's the guy's name, Kirk Cousins, if you're going to tell me that people of that nature are better than him, what have they won? Look, I don't live in Pittsburgh. I live in Vegas. I'm from Robinson, born and raised. Uh, bleed black and gold, but the fact is, the rest of the country, the the, the Steeler fans think their ste- their beloved Steelers are better than they are, and and the rest of the country just isn't afraid of the Steelers anymore. They've done bupkis in the playoffs, playoffs since 2010. They're ranking that doesn't, for those but, five jo- but John, that does not mean they're they're always in the hunt. They always either win championships, get in. Last year was more of an aberration, I think, than anything else. They've been one of the better teams oh, every year in the AFC. You can't deny that. Now, what's happened in the postseason? Yes, you can you can dissect that and criticize it all you want because there have been self-inflicted uh, situations there that have led to their defeat. Their defense has been shredded. I get it. They, they won a game in Cincinnati. They probably didn't deserve to win. But they're always there at the end. So if you're going to tell me – so who would you – you're in Vegas. Who are you betting on, John? Dead. Not the Steelers. In fact, you know, this is kind of a weird year for me. I'm done with Tomlin. Uh, I kind of hope they poop the bed again and Tomlin gets, gets shown the door. It's time for regime change. Uh, it's definitely not the Steelers. I looked long and hard after the 13-3 and season, Bob. I couldn't find a 13-3 and sweatshirt to wear around probably. Couldn't find it. Well, my, my question is, we're running out of time. Who is your pick to win the AFC North? Come on, man. It's got to be the Patriots, right? How can no, I said AFC North, the division itself. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. They're going to get. If the Steelers make the playoffs, they're still going to get. So, in other words, it doesn't matter. They make the play. That's the whole thing you hope for. You get in the playoffs. I think that's how I judge. Thanks, John. Uh, I judge a team, and look at what they've done over the years. Despite drafting, I, I wish people would just look at this objectively instead of the way people do. They draft low every single year. This year was an exception. They moved up to ten because they felt the need to do it, and they needed to, because they did not do well last year in what they brought in to take the place of Ryan Shazier. But the point is, they're drafting low all the time, and yet they've still figured out ways to win divisions, to become competitive. Once you get there, I get it. Have they won enough? No, they'd like to win more. But if you're in the conversation every year, which they are, 
And before you start crowning other teams in this division, uh, Cleveland is it's going to be interesting to me. Freddie Kitchens right now is allowing Baker Mayfield to boss around Odell Beckham Jr. We'll see what happens when the regular season comes and Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't want to listen to some second-year punk maybe who's d- demanding stuff from him. What have you done, Baker? You know, all right, they went 8-7-1, and one. whoop-dee-doo. He's a good-looking quarterback, yes. Could there be a regression? Yes. What if Odell doesn't like what you're doing? What if you give the ball more to Landry Jones? There could be distractions there. All I'm saying is, let's see how this plays out. Uh, 412-928-9370. We have Doc. We have Don. Uh, we have Kevin, Mac, Mitch, The Truth, Ron. We got all. We'll get you guys in. Just be patient. We got to go to break. We'll do some rapid fire when we come back. Before we do, though, it's time for the weather and a reminder of our sponsors. PNC Bank, make today the day. Allegheny Health Network, health for all at AHN. Number one, Cochran, go one better. Fan weather is brought to you by Sun Chevrolet and McMurray. Join Sun Chevy for their all-star open house all month long. A door to a new Chevy there is waiting for you today. Mix of clouds and sun. Highs in the mid-80s tonight. Clear, cool, 65 tomorrow. Similar, a touch warmer. Highs closer to 90. We'll be back with hour number two. It's the Bob Pompiani Show, Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.